how to deal with your entitlement so that you don't have children who are entitled. Dang, you went there already. Okay. Wow, that's a strong start. Oh I love it. We're rolling with this one. Keep it going. Hey. Hi, Arden. Hey. Thanks for joining hey. us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you were the perfect person yeah. for today's topic. You know, what, you, know what that, you know what that sounded like? That sounded like you're calling someone, you're in middle school. Hey. And you're prank calling them or crank calling them. I, I never knew which one it was. Is it prank calling or crank calling? I prank both. Anyway, prank, prank, prank calling them. And they answer, and you don't know what to say. And you're like, hey. Wait, that never happened how to many you? prank calls did you do? Do you remember when I prank called you? I do. Yeah, I did. But that was messed up. It was. And it actually wasn't me. It was a friend of mine. But we that's not what we're talking about today. It was really We need to change up. the subject really quickly because this could go a bad way. <laughs> okay. We are talking about entitled children. How to deal with entitled children. But before we get to that, I don't think you're an entitled child. <laughs> I, I was going to say, the way you started it. Oh, before Julie. we get to that, we have a burning question, which, as you know, Arden, because you've been on before, is our questions from our listeners. Today is from at Canada Raised. And we love your questions. We love any comments, even if they're not the kindest comments. They're really great opportunities. <laughs> wow. I like you're working through a specific comment. We're not going to go there. <laughs> Legitimately, though, I read a comment. It wasn't the kindest. And then I like really swirled in a <laughs> weird place. And my kids are like, Mom, see, you tell us. This is why social media isn't yeah. good for people. They just give you this window and totally yeah. derail your life. Um, yeah, so it was a great learning opportunity. <laughs> wow. So we got better questions. <laughs> but this question But you appreciate is, the questions that could derail your life. All of it. Or the comments. All of it. We are, I mean, that's why we do this. Yeah. Is for the people who are interacting with it and being impacted by it. We could just hang around and make hilarious jokes with each other on our own without all the setup. So the question is, what is one tip on how can a man prepare themselves to be the right partner in marriage? Okay, so the burning question is, sorry, because you kind of blurred that together. You know, the burning question. Addison <laughs> goes, let me, ask, let me tell you what no. the question actually is. No, the burning question is, how does a man prepare himself for marriage? I just want to make sure I understand. Yeah, what things can a man what do, do okay. to, prepare yeah, to, to prepare themselves to be the right partner? To be the right so partner. So I think that part's really important. Arden. To be the right partner. What do you feel like were things that you did? Because oh, you knew you yeah. wanted to get married. Well, there's a lot of things that I wish I would have done. Like it was a quicker process of when I got married. It was about two months of dating and then five months of engagement. But I remember the first year, I wish I would have understood how to listen a lot better. And I know that's a cliche one, but being all brothers, like, you know, we listen in a different way. It's a very different interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But actually sitting down, listening, like that was something I had to develop within myself mm -hmm. of how do I really show that I'm listening? How do I show that I'm taking, you know, taking care of the words that she's saying, not just like, yeah, that's good. And just like head nodding and then not responding in a certain way or, or, or trying to fix the problem. That was always a thing. Um, so I wish I would have learned and developed that skill a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do with brothers. They just punch you and hit you a lot. That's a lot great advice because yeah. anyone can be working on being a better listener. Yeah. 
in whatever phase they're oh, in. Oh, and it pays off for the rest of your marriage too. Yeah. Not and just, just humaning. It's helpful as a human. Yeah. I would say anything that you believe you're going to start doing after you get married, other than sleeping together, obviously. But anything, I just, for the record, anything. Like what would an example be? Yeah, like, oh, hey, I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to read my Bible daily with yeah. my spouse. Like, okay, are you reading your Bible daily right now? Yeah. Or good advice. Let, me, let me give another one. I'm going to get married, and I'm going to stop looking at porn. It's like, yeah. well, no, actually, that's not how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would, say, I would say take inventory of that. What are the things in my mind? Like on the other side of marriage, this is going to be possible or this is going to be easier. I would come to terms with those now mm-hmm. and figure out why those things aren't a part of your life currently. Yeah. Even practical things like Very when I'm, things. when I'm married, I'll save more Yeah, or I, I'll be more frugal. Exactly. And it's like, well, how are you practicing that now? now? Yeah. Practicing it. Did you like that? I feel like you liked that answer. I did. Yeah. I liked that answer. Thank you. You did a great job preparing before you were married. And you were really young, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. So talking about entitled children, strong pivot, how, how to deal with an entitled child, how to deal with an entitled child, which I dislike this title. I don't like the title either. So much. We're going to retitle it. (laughs) How to deal with your entitlement so that you don't have children who are entitled. Dang, you went there already. Okay. I just feel I'm looking through these notes and I'm thinking this is applicable to parents. And so much of the time kids really are just modeling the action and environment that they're seeing modeled for them. So what do you guys, how do you feel around entitlement? I mean, you are the oldest and youngest of a family of four. So I feel like it, that's always really unique to see how children in the birth order even react to entitlement. So what are your thoughts when you hear entitlement? What comes to mind? I'm going to throw it to Arden. Yeah. Because I think you have a lot of good things to say on this. Well, I, it's going back to even what you just said of like, you don't like that word. I think when we look at entitled, we, we have put such a negative connotation of it. And it's like, I remember when I first started thinking about entitlement and what that looked like, I was like, what does that word even mean? And it's just going back to like, you know, royal lineage. It's like, what are you entitled into? And it's that bestowing of passing on from one generation to the next generation. Yeah. And I think there's this idea that, you know, entitlement is simply that you're taking everything that is supposed to be yours and you are abusing it and you're not grateful for it and all those things. The Bible says your your inheritance, like you have an inheritance and there is a correct way of looking at, you know, understanding what God has given me, what this family has given me. I look at our family and you know, we've been blessed with a lot of things and, and influence in different areas that if we allowed entitlement to take its wrong foothold without the, the counteracting things that will help us, then it's going to be to our detriment. But if we allow understanding of God, you've put us into this family for a reason, for a purpose, for, yeah. you know, discovery, then it allows us to take everything that is the family lineage that has been handed down to leverage it 
to touch and impact people all over the world. And, and so I know there's, there's the two different ways of understanding entitlement from maybe as you get older, but then also, of course, when you're, when you're younger and, and navigating entitlement, I know as a youngest sibling, you, know, you kind of watch your, your siblings go through different things and you want different things at a younger age because you see your older brothers get them um, or experience them, but yet you're still not at that stage. And yeah. so it's a factor that comes into play. Um, and of course, parents can be known to baby the, the youngest. I, I still get to this day, parents, my parents introducing me as the baby, <laughs> even though I'm almost 30. I'm like, you have a baby of your I own. I will never outgrow that. <laughs> yep. And so it's just those realities of looking at the different dynamics, understanding yep. the word and understanding like, look, we can actually leverage what God's place inside of you, understanding that it's not just bad things. It's being entitled is not just meaning you're, you know, if you have any entitlement, we got to get rid of it. It's like, no, you've got to understand what God's given you, what this family has given you. And if you have a true understanding and sense for what has been given to you, you'll leverage that to help others. Yeah. I think when you leverage it to help yourself, that's when you get into that selfish mindset of entitlement that we yeah. see can, can honestly self-destruct someone's life in the future. Yeah. Where you're grasping mm -hmm. for something and demanding that it be given to you. And doesn't yeah. that ultimately go to you trusting or not trusting the giver? Oh, 100%. It, it's, it's taking, it's not trusting the process. Mm -hmm. Like I think here's the detriment of this generation is that we have been raised in a generation where everything is instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're raising kids that if you want to get in contact with someone, all they got to do is just shoot over a text and they're in contact. Like they don't know the old days of turning on the, the computer and it making the, all the weird dial-up noises <laughs> as you're trying to get onto the internet just so you can look something up. Yeah. And so we are expecting results within our life to be instantaneous. But there's a process that every single one of us has to go through that God is destined for us to go through so that it develops the character, it develops the courage, develops everything that we are needing to be able to handle what he actually has for us. And if we yeah. try to skip past that, which I'm going to be honest with you, you can skip past that. Yeah. It's going to be a detriment to your life. Um, you know, I think about King Ahab and Bible and Ad, I, I do want you to jump in here to King Ahab, like King Ahab had everything. He's the king of Israel. He has everything. And yet there's one thing that he wants and it's the vineyard. It's Nobad's vineyard. And he says, I want that vineyard. And the guy says, no, I'm not going to sell you. This isn't in my family. It's lineage. It's, I want to pass it down to my generations. And King Ahab goes, throws a fit. He goes, you know, puts yeah. his face in the pillow, says, I can't get it. Like I want the vineyard. And he throws a temper tantrum. But yet then you see something happen is Jezebel comes to him and she says, look, I'll make it right. Like you're the king of Israel. You don't understand what you're deserving of. You deserve that vineyard. And she goes and she spreads word that ultimately gets the vineyard's owner killed. And what happens is in that moment, Ahab allowed his entitlement, even though he had everything in the kingdom, he allowed his entitlement to ultimately lead him to a place where he felt like I can leverage this to get me something that I don't want. And that's what the enemy will do is if you are, are, are impatient and trying to grasp for things, the enemy is going to present you with an opportunity of seizing the thing that you have, yeah. seizing the thing that you're hoping for that you'll get your grasp onto. But ultimately in doing so, something's going to die. Yeah. Like that's the thing. And it's really interesting because through that mm. story, that's that's what leads to mm. Ahab's death. I mean, the prophet comes and prophesies and says, in the same place you killed that man, you're, you're going to be dead. 
Yeah. And there was something that Dan, I'm not saying if you reach for your Dang. goals and, okay. and take those things, but I, I will say there's going to be, there's going to be a loss of something. Yeah, there's there's a loss, loss of yeah relationship. The cost is either the journey, the process, mm-hmm. or it's what you shortcut yeah. and you miss out on exactly. in that formation. Yeah, there's always a cost. That's good. So in the context of parenting ad, what does it look like for us? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There is. I mean, okay. An entitled mentality would be, give me a path forward without the cost. Yeah. And you, and like you're saying, an instantaneous mentality. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to Jesus for a moment, right? The, the name above every name, the title above every title. And you used the word and I want, I want to show how you used a word that's actually here in scripture. And I, and I, hey, I just, you're welcome. I just, a Glad word, a word that is in scripture. It's amazing. No, uh, this is Philippians two verses five through I'm, I'm going to read to 11. Cause this is significant. Now this is actually a poem. Okay? First he mentions <laughs> Jesus. Now he's just going to read the Bible. He's like, no, no, listen. It's here, so good. Here, here's what I'm saying. Listen, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's the word that you use, we're grasping for something. Yeah. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I, and I love this idea about entitlement. Mm. It, it, yes, it has a negative connotation, and that's how we normally use it. But the truth is, there it's a shadow side. It's a shadow form of something God intended that we're supposed to grow into, mm-hmm. that we're supposed to understand. I, I think of it like status, which we live in a world that clamors for status. Mm-hmm. Status isn't to bolster a sense of significance. Status is for the sake of service. Yeah. And when when the child grows up and the child understands what that child has been given, that child matures into a son or into a daughter who can use the authority, can use the position to to give, to to exert power and authority in a way that honors God's design for human flourishing. I would pause you right there just to say very practically as parents, if you need to be using your status as mom, your status as dad for service, and you already are, but helping your kids see that that's what's happening, that that's how you're using it, where it's not this, I'm the boss, so do what I say. But I'm your parent, so I get to take care of you. I'm your parent, so I have the privilege of disciplining you and discipling you, recognizing that as probably one of the very foundational aspects of how do you keep your kids from being entitled? Well, you hit on at the very beginning of the episode, like when you were saying we should change the title of this episode. And I think for us, when I look at this list, there's a list here of signs of an entitled child, mm-hmm. lack of gratitude, demanding attitude, unwillingness to share, inability to handle not getting their way, expecting special treatment. I look at this like, oh, I act like that. <laughs> I mean, I act like that sometimes. Yeah. I model that in front of my kids. And, and I love this, this idea that Jesus lays out for us. Like He's not asking us to do anything that he didn't model to a degree that 
is above any other way to model that, right? Like he being the greatest stooped the lowest. And because of that, he could elevate us the highest. And so I think so much of navigating entitlement is understanding our position as parents and inviting our children into that position. And I think a lot of entitled children, and I've seen this, they lack purpose. Mm. They, they're, they're bored. They lack an understanding of what they've been given and how that's meaningful to the rest of the world. Their lives revolve around themselves. They don't understand the position that they hold. And that I think is, is the proper side. The other side of the shadow form of entitlement is position is authority is power for the sake of service and inheritance we, inheritance like we, we live in a world that wants to strip those things from us yeah. or repurpose it for its own purposes mm-hmm. and the truth is god is saying no i've called you to be sons and daughters because you are made to be my image bearers i've reformed you in my likeness like you are a part of telling the story of what it looks like to be the people of god what it looks like to engage the difficult parts of this world and life in a way that honors my design for human flourishing and that's beautiful yeah and i ask you guys because as parents of kids that are you know older than my son i'm not navigating you know i navigate on a smaller degree of you know gratitude and things seeing that stuff and we keep toys and things like that for azariah at a minimum just because we don't want him to become bored we don't want him to feel like oh i need everything and i'm grasping for everything but for kids that are the ages that your kids are i know that there's some you know things that you can do that to, to keep um, you know, keep that entitlement factor, just stop coming and goes beyond just those things that you can intentionally do, but also those practical things. Um, can you speak to that? Cause that's something I've been cur- curious about. I watched this mom and dad model that of course for us. And they, they always painted a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always showed, you know, Hey, look, the, the ministry that we have, it's not our ministry, it's God's yeah. ministry. And it was a very clear understanding of that. And so it's like, you're not entitled to anything within this. It's God. Who's the one who establishes and appoints. Um, and that was great for mentality, but I think there's also behaviors that you've got to continue to keep, uh, proposing and and teaching to those kids at at the ages that your kids are at. Yeah. I I love that you mentioned what John and Lisa have done because we really are able to build upon that. Like that's foundational to the way our kids understand life and finances and blessing and just living a life of blessing, which is what we're called to. But how do we do that without them grasping? I would say one thing we're intentional with is helping our kids understand, like, we're not here to make sure you all get everything equal all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, we are good parents, so our desire is to give our kids good things. But anytime there's even a hint of, I need this because you gave them that, we're like, yeah. oh no, yeah. that's not the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Where there's not some equality police running around making sure everybody has the same of everything. Well, there's there's no equality police that's actually effectively doing that. I would say there's definitely people in our world who think they are the equality police. No one is doing it effectively. So that's been a big, big thing that's yeah. been on my mind because I have seen parents do that or that be the reasoning behind getting kids stuff or taking them on special, just different things where it's like, no, that's not true to life. Mm-hmm. Um, another real factor is that our kids have siblings. 
Like we have four children. So they have built into their life this awareness that we are four kids with only two parents. So we're going to have to wait our turn. We're going to have to recognize that when I say it, that I need something or that I need them, I need their attention. Sometimes I have to wait and that's actually okay. Mm -hmm. That's been a really important part of their, their foundation as humans to recognize that the world doesn't revolve around them. That's a huge blessing. What else would you say? I think this is similar to what you what you've been sharing, but that idea of the the victim complex. Mm-hmm. Because what we we teach our kids is they they are strong, they are they are courageous, and in those moments where there's a breakdown in relationship or a breakdown in expectation, how can they first recognize what they did or they didn't do to lead to that moment? Because we live in a world that scapegoats and vilifies everyone and everything instead of looking at ourselves and figuring out, hey, what is my part to play in this? Um, And that anti-entitlement response says, hey, I I do have efficacy. Like, I do have agency. What decisions did I make that led me into this moment? Yeah. And I think that's really important for us to understand. Of course, there are some things that truly are beyond our control, and we have to come to terms with that. All of us do. But there are a lot of things that, that we participate in. There's a lot of things that that we, we, we make poor decisions and we have to navigate the consequences of those decisions. And I think one of the things that I've seen from parents, because parents are scared to let their kids make decisions. I'm thinking of a specific I was having a conversation with one of our kids. I do not think this kid would want me to share it. So I'm going to try to be careful how I share this. But one of our kids has recently realized that they made a poor decision over an extended period of time. And this child has asked me, why weren't you more vocal during this season? Hmm. And, I, and, I, and I told this child, I said, I actually was vocal. You didn't hear me. And I knew that during this season... This was a this was a moment for you to learn something that would set you up for the rest of your life in a relatively low risk environment. Mm-hmm. But when we when we helicopter parent, when we hover, yeah. when we don't give them space to understand the consequences of their decisions, mm-hmm. then they believe that the world should just align perfectly around them and that other people are going to do whatever they need to do to create the perfect world and perfect environment and for them. And constantly fill in their gaps. Yeah. And so that's that's something is figuring out as parents, how can I create space? Not that I'm setting my child up to fail, but how can I create space for my child to, to fail if, if they need to fail? How do I create space for them to fail and, and learn from that and the risk of that failure be relatively minimal compared to what that failure could look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? I mean, I remember I was having a conversation with my friend of mine and he has kids older as well. And he said, uh, I'll take my kids to the store. And if they really want something, it's like, say they have 20 bucks and that's all they have. And it's $20. He said, I'll talk them through, let them know. I don't know if that's the best way of spending money, but if they really want to buy it, he said, I'll let them buy it. And he said, they'll come back to me two days later and be like, I shouldn't have spent all my money on this. He said, I will not tell them about a return policy or anything else. Because he said, I want them to live with that understanding of, of, okay, I made a mistake. I've got to be more careful. I've got to be more calculated with these things. And it's in a 
it's in a safe environment. You know, yeah. it's 20 yeah. bucks. Yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah. Like that's a great lesson to learn for 20 bucks, but it's a hard lesson to learn when it's, you know, 50, hundred thousand dollars down the road, whatever it is that comes up later in their life because they didn't learn that lesson at this point. Yeah. One that's my, a very practical way. One of my friends, he has, he has 10 kids. Okay. So they, they get allowance for doing different chores, all that kind of stuff. And he has this thing that he does with them when they go to the store, it's very similar, but I, I love this. He goes to the store with them and they want to buy whatever it is. And he's given them money that they earn that is their money. And because it is their money, he's like, Hey, you can make this decision. This isn't my money. This is your money. You can make this decision. He keeps the receipt. So they buy it. He keeps the receipt and he has a board. I'm not kidding you. A board for all, all 10 of them, all 10 of them. It's on there. And he will pin the receipt on the board. And after 30 days, they go and they do a smiley face or a frown face huh. on whether or not they're happy they made that purchase. And he's teaching again. He's Because yeah. a lot of parents, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll buy you this, I'll buy you that, whatever. And that creates entitlement. But when you understand, hey, one day I'm going to be responsible for money. And money represents a lot of things in our world. It's, it's how we can be generous. It's how we take care of our families. It's how we build, create legacy, all of those things. Yeah. I can learn that right now. I can figure out, hey, I'm not entitled to whatever I buy whenever I buy it being exactly what I want. I have to actually learn what happens when I make these decisions, what happens internally, what happens externally. And I think that's yeah. powerful. No, that's really important. When I think it, ultimately, like this is the thing that I think like rounds out entitlement and allows you just to see it in, in a way that it can be effective within your life is, is gratitude. Like mm -hmm. ultimately, and I know that sounds simple, but gratitude is simply looking at what you have right now. Whereas entitlement is looking at what you want mm -hmm. and or feeling you like you yeah, what you deserve. And in, and gratitude allows you to look at everything that you have, everything that God's given you in this moment and to truly see it for what it is to yeah. see the full expression, to see the purpose behind it. You know, I, I've always looked at God in our relationship of this is understanding like, God, you want the things that I want in my life, you know, that are good for me, obviously yeah. not the bad things that I, I'm misled on, but the good things more than I want them. And yeah. I think about it now, like I've got to experience that firsthand with my son is my son's 13 months. But when I, you know, when I first held him, it's like, you look at that boy and you're like anything that is in this you know, child's yeah. heart, I'm going to do everything in my power to see it to come to fruition because I, I, I love and I value and I see the, 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 uh, you know, the, just the, the value upon his life. And I want to make that come to fruition, yeah. but obviously I'm not going to do it to, it's going to be a detriment to yeah. his life. It's going yeah. to be at the right timing. And so I think God sets us up in that way is as you stay in, in what God has prepared for you in the day, you understand the gratitude for that season. I remember when I was working at Messenger the first time I was, I dealt with entitlement issues and it was a big part of my journey. And I felt like there was a call of God on my life and no one else was making it happen. And I was like, it was everyone else's responsibility to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the opportunities that weren't coming my way and all these things and thinking, everyone else is missing it. Like I've got a gift, like you're all missing it. And, and so I, I would come to my parents and say, look, if you, if you guys aren't going to capitalize on the gifts that I have right now, I'm leaving. Like I'm going to go be a youth pastor or something else and, and do some kind of ministry. And I remember God took me through a season. I went and actually left the ministry to go back to school and just work and develop on myself. God took me through a season where I just 
looked at like from an outside perspective of seeing yeah. all the things I had to be so grateful for. Yeah. And it's amazing because as I took that year to, to really look deep inside and really value those things that God had, had given me and blessed me, I came back into that same situation. Yeah. I was making less money than I was before. <laughs> I was doing a, a job that I didn't as enjoy as much as before, but yeah, I had never yeah. felt so fulfilled because I was fully aware of the blessings wow. that God had for me. And I think wow. that's the key with this and understanding what God's given you, what's God's given this family is like as parents understanding God's given, like we, we've been blessed with so much yeah. and, and I know it can be easy to see the, the, the cool things and the next things that your, your friends have and all those stuff. But I think it's always pointing back to look at what God's done. Like yeah. look at what God's done in this family. Look what God's going to do in your life. That's good, bro. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm still processing what you share because that's incredible. For me, as a firstborn, I had a very different experience. And for me, entitlement, the ugly side of entitlement comes out when I feel like, well, it was harder for me. Yeah. And I, I sacrificed more, so I deserve more. Hmm. And that's just as ugly and it's just as wrong because the truth is those are gifts in my life. Look at that fly. I know. Those, gifts. <laughs> those have become gifts in my life and I am who I am today because of things that I had to navigate. And if I, again, look at myself as a victim on the other side of the equation, then I miss out on, <laughs> I had to do it. Sorry. Did you get it? No. <laughs> We're trying to kill a fly on the table. It's just fly season. It's just a fly. It is. It's fly season. And then I miss out. Because you're so fly. Stop it. That's so Pretty fly for so a white cheesy. guy. Thank you. you. I'm sure you could keep going. <laughs> I miss out on, on being able to see what what felt like an imperfection or felt like it wasn't fair seeing as God actually setting me up. Like I love what Joseph says. Now granted he was the younger getting picked on by his older brothers, but he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for my good. Yeah. And the imperfections of our process, while they're not always perfect and they can sometimes feel like, hey, this is evil, yeah. this is wrong, this is hard. God has a way of working through those moments and doing something incredible in us and through us, if we don't lose sight of the fact that position is not for vindication, hmm. position is not for us to get our way, position is for service. Yeah. And Joseph knew in that moment his position was for service, not just for his family, but for the sake of nations. Yeah. And I want to leave our listeners with some very practical tips. Um, we, we develop these because I think this would be really good for y'all to hear. And you're going to see, we've talked a, about a lot of principles that animate these tips. The first one is setting clear expectations, mm -hmm. taking the time as a parent, whether it's what happens when you go to the store and you navigate that dynamic of buying something or, um, what it means to take care of a child's room or a child's space, setting clear expectations is important. So important for the children. Yeah. For, for children because sometimes we think we're clear and we're not mm -hmm. and so make sure the child understands what you're saying have the child repeat it back to you that's a big deal number two teach empathy the best way to teach empathy is to model empathy mm -hmm. if you teach a child empathy and you don't embrace empathy they're not going to learn it so pray through that be aware of the people around you. Uh, in the last episode, the one we did with Gabe, we talked about the idea of paying attention to yourself from Luke 17. Pay attention to yourself first, and then that's going to give you what you need to navigate those dynamics. Number three, obviously stop spoiling them. <laughs> 
if you're spoiling, stop. What does spoiling a child look like? Well, you let the child set the tone, set the pace of how you interact with that child. Mm-hmm. That's not just buying them gifts. Uh, yeah, it could yeah. be. It could be anything. Basically, the child is convinced that the world revolves around them, yeah. rather than recognizing that that world is res- that child is responsible for understanding the greater world, learning the greater world, and finding his or her place in that greater world. And spoiling them with attention too. I think, you know, we're all about intentionality and taking the time to move through things with your kids, but you can spoil your kids with attention where they believe that it is your job to entertain them, to keep them from being bored, to just be available for their every single whim. And that is detrimental to a child's, um, their growth, their development. I mean, it it just creates humans who really do have this, this, um, need for other humans that's that's not right yeah but even like butting in on conversations can i just share a funny story there was a preacher he was staring about how what he does with his kids and he makes sure that when he's in a conversation with someone if his kids come up and um they have something it's never that they just blurt out but he said they simply just put their hand on their parents back and at a point in the conversation the parents will look and make sure nothing nothing's wrong nothing serious and they'll go back into the conversation he said it just simply keeps them from feeling like everything needs to stop and it's that spoiling moment uh the fly just almost flew into my ear okay there we go but he said he was uh speaking at a conference one time and his son came up while he's preaching and came up and he's like well i'm sorry he said his son put his hand on his back and he's he looked at the congregation he said i'm so sorry he said i teach taught my son this to you know just interrupt by putting your hand back so he said real quick let me just ask my son what's wrong he said son what's going on he said dad how soon can we go around it but but i think that's a good principle is like you don't just stop everything and make it seem like you know the world revolves around your child there's there's those clear boundaries or expectations that you establish spoiling them isn't just buying them whatever they want it's also creating a world we spoil them we create a world is like the whole world revolves around you Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of times parents who are in you know um divorce situations Mm -hmm. or just where they feel bad like they need to somehow make up to their kids for whatever situation they're in really take that to god and recognize like you were saying with the story of joseph what the enemy meant to harm them will be used for their good it's good so even in the midst of that don't allow yourself to feel like you have to compensate for some wrong that has been done to your child, which is real, but you're not God. Yeah. Let God be God. Yeah. It's good. Number four, encourage responsibility. And this ties into some of the other ones, like your kids can handle responsibility mm-hmm. and they'll grow in that. And it's messy at first. Like I remember when I was first teaching Asher how to mow the yard, it's not going to look how it looks when I mow it, but as he, as he learns, as he gets opportunities to do that, he realizes, oh man, I could do this. Dad used to do this. Now I can do this. Yeah. And eventually he gets to the point where he can do it just as good at, or if not better. Well, and so, that is a way for them to earn money, to yep. spend recklessly, to learn Learned, what it feels like to, to spend <laughs> your own money that you've worked yeah. for. Exactly. And then the last thing, we touched on this at the very beginning, but we live in a world where everything is instant. Mm-hmm. And, and creating moments and creating, I would call them journeys, where your child has to experience delayed gratification is so important. 
because the way we function, the way we operate, so much of what we desire, so much of what we're looking for can be immediately obtained. And there are things about human formation that take time, period. And technology can't fast track that. And we're, we've learned to be impatient because of how we can engage with so many things. So as a parent, being intentional to figure out ways to delay gratification. And there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways. To do that. I mean, one of the things practically for us, we're navigating the journey of phone or no phone with our kids. Our kids, our older kids don't have phones. Yeah. And they, they want phones. They have major phono. They have, wow. They have major oh gosh, phono. They, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, you know, they want to present whatever argument or we'll I buy it. I literally have a letter we, we, over there have, from Sophia. I've had multiple letters in the last <laughs> week and, and they've gotten to the point now where they've offered to get jobs and pay for <laughs> everything. Like we don't even have to pay for anything. Sell yeah. organs. <laughs> but my, my point is what this is doing in them and even what they're having to navigate with friends and friend dynamics and stuff like that, it's actually developing something very special in them. And we see that as parents and we have to ask them to trust us in those moments when we get those sweet letters, but it's a, it's not easy. And it's something that we're walking out with them very intentionally. I know that's very first world, but they live in a world there. Our kids live in a world where everyone has phones and it feels like an ontological extension of who they are as a person. And so for them to not have a phone, like the kids get together when I drive them to youth group or whatever, all they do is talk about stuff related to their phone. Yeah. All they do is talk about stuff that they access through their phone and our kids don't have that experience. And so we're navigating that delayed gratification. Yeah. Actually, that's a great episode idea. We need to do that. Screens one. and kids. Let us know in the comments if you would watch that. Also, if Arden should be on or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we go, Arden, I would love for you to pray. Um, and also, I just want, as your older oldest brother, mm. I just want to commend you. You have... Like there's stereotypes or whatever that come with being the youngest kid. And I feel like somehow you have found a way to keep the belovedness and favor that comes with the youngest and also um, embrace a call to greater responsibility that comes with being the older. And I know it's because of what you navigated and how you navigated that moment in your life. And so I just want to tell you as your older brother, I'm so proud of you. And I believe you're an authority on this subject because of that. Mm -hmm. And you wrote a book called Redefine, where you talk about entitlement specifically in one of the chapters, talking about labels that are placed on this generation. And we're going to put a link to that because I just, I want people who are like, Hey, I want to learn more about this and more about the labels that are placed on the younger generations. And that's an amazing resource for you parents. So we'll put a link um, in that in the show notes, but Arda, would you please pray for us today? Yeah, of course. Thanks, bro. Father God, we thank you so much that we had this opportunity to have this conversation. And God, I pray that the words that we have spoken would not fall death on ears, that Lord Jesus, it would be in practical ways that parents would be able to hear all these things and begin to put them into application within their family. God, I pray you would give these parents wisdom of how to to identify entitlement, how to speak out uh, and show gratitude in different seasons. And God, I pray that you would just be with them in those moments. I pray that you are raising a generation of believers, a generation of believers that are coming up through these parents that are going to inherit what you have for them. But God, they are going to do it not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of the world. And God, I thank you that you are raising these parents up, that
that they are even here listening to this episode because they are taking the time to be bettering themselves as they are being parents, as they are navigating these things that they've never navigated before. And I pray that you would just give them that grace and wisdom as they go about their days. Give them everything that they need to accomplish what you have before them for that day. And we thank you so much for their efforts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brandon. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us here today at At Home with the Beviers. Guys, we are always so thrilled whenever you leave questions that we can go right ahead and answer. So if you have any questions, make sure to leave a comment wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to rate and subscribe. It really helps out our show and helps it get all around the world. Again, guys, we are so thrilled that you joined us here today where we want to help you create a legacy starting at home.